What's up, everybody? This is Ryan with Clutch Sports Talk. So glad to bring you guys another episode. Uh, appreciate all the support that's been shown my way over the last few episodes. Uh, it's going to keep making these episodes for you guys. So, got another hot one for you guys today. We're going to be jumping in a little bit of NBA. More specifically, going to recap The Last Dance. And not the whole documentary, just a little bit about the effects of the last dance and how how the nba looks today and 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 also talk about a little bit about michael jordan because of course the last dance is about michael jordan besides the 97 98 bulls but um i do want to say this it was a great documentary outstanding for those of you who don't know it just recently wrapped up last week sunday i believe uh it was a 10 episode documentary they played two episodes every sunday night for five weeks it was gold the only thing I will say about it that now it's over, I'm sad because I was glued in for those two hours between six to eight Pacific Standard Time. Now we'd have nothing to watch on Sunday nights anymore, but that's cool. But anyway, um, I don't want to just dump right into this real quick. So let's just go. So what do we learn from the last dance? Or at least me. A few things. But before I do that, let me just say this. I was born in 1984, so. I caught the end of the 80s uh, era in basketball, and I was thrust into the 90s and obviously 2000s and currently today. So I kind of little, I know a little bit about the 80s, 90s, and today. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So what did I learn? The NBA was tough back then, man. Between the teams and players and the way the game was called and refereed, man, the beatings that players took, not even, not not just Jordan, but overall. Players, man, they, I mean, guys today, if they have a problem being fouled today, could you imagine if them, a lot of those players were playing in the 80s, early 90s? Oh my God. Guys throwing elbows. You know, today you throw an elbow, you're getting tossed out of the game. Back in the 80s, you throw an elbow, you know, they just call a regular foul, Right. So the NBA was tough back then, which it, it was on display, especially if you didn't know, but it was definitely on display in the Last Dance documentary. Also, I learned uh, the league had great players back then. Obviously, you know, you had Magic, Bird, Kareem, you know, Dr. J, but nobody was like Michael Jordan. Nobody. Those guys are all legendary Hall of Fame players in their own right. But nobody transcended the game like Michael Jordan did. From the documentary, you can see from a social standpoint and a financial standpoint, Michael Jordan had on the game itself, the NBA, and even basketball, if I dare to say that. He took it from one level to shooting out of the stratosphere into a whole new universe from what I saw from the documentary from a financial standpoint for those of you who aren't old enough to remember and I I mean I wasn't either I don't I had to kind of research this but NBA games were not televised live a lot of games weren't they were pre-recorded and then later on played at a later time which is mind-boggling to me you know but back in those days the NBA did not have the same type of cachet as it does now most of you can't even fathom thinking about, oh, well, you know, I'm going to watch the Laker game tonight or, or excuse me, 
the game is going to be recorded. And then two days later, or maybe a few hours later, you're going to watch the game. Now, I know we have DVRs and all that, but it's, it's, it's different. We're talking about the game being recorded live and then televised later on. Can't do that anymore. And I feel Michael Jordan had a little bit of something to do with that because of his star power. You know. So from a financial standpoint, the NBA saw his talent, not just on the court, but as a social public figure. And they took that and they ran with it. And from a societal standpoint, guys in the day, you know, they had sponsorships with Converse and L.A. Gear and other, you know, shoe, shoe, uh, shoe, uh, what you call it, apparel or shoe lines, you know, but all of them pretty much signed with the same shoe developer. Jordans are probably, well, they are, they are the probably the most bought shoe in the history of the planet ever. You have kids today that have never seen Michael Jordan play one game, but they're standing in line to cop a pair of the new Jordans. I don't remember anybody trying to go and get any Converse like that. Even to this day. I mean, Michael Jordan's made millions and billions of dollars off the Jordan brand. And he also made it cool or not even cool, just to wear basketball shoes as a fashion statement, not just to play basketball in. It's almost sacrilegious, excuse me, sacrilegious to even play basketball in Jordans. How many of you are going to go out there and spend two, three hundred dollars and play in some Jordans? You're probably not. You're going to wear them, get back home, clean them, put them back in the box and tuck them away until the next time. You're not planning in those. You're just not. And so from a, a social societal standpoint, he he made he made a fashion statement. You know, with the whole, you know, with his with his first Jordans and then the Spike Lee commercial. Those are very iconic. Also. At the time, he, you know, a lot of NBA players were not getting a lot of advertisement or endorsement deals. You know, Michael was because of his play on the court. His Nike deal. He had everything from watches to drinks to Gatorade. I mean, excuse me, uh, to, to food and other types of advertisement endorsements that he did so you can't deny that michael jordan definitely had an impact on the league i mean whether you didn't know that or not now you know that now especially after watching the last ass documentary now the documentary itself so obviously the last dance was i wouldn't say produced but michael jordan had a lot to say about it he had the creative rights to it you know it took a while for him to drop this this some of this footage dates back all the way to the you know 80s 90s and so he finally decided to release it but so of course it's going to portray him as being one of the greatest ever if not the greatest ever but i'll get into that a little bit later but i wanted to kind of state out some more facts about the documentary that we learned or, or at least that i learned or stood out to me Besides stats, because a lot of people will argue stats, you know, he has the most, you know, well, he doesn't have the most rings, but in comparison to some other greats that we compare him against, he has more rings, points and all the, all that other stuff, et cetera, et cetera. There are a lot of intangibles that you just, that I saw that kind of makes the case, you know, easier for me to say Jordan was the greatest. Such intangibles like he was the ultimate competitor. 
He competed in everything that he did. You had that scene there where he's playing with his security guys and they're playing that coin game, coin, excuse me, coin game somewhere in the locker room. MJ had no lack of confidence. He felt like at any point, any time, doesn't matter, day and night, he was going to, he's the better player on the court. And another thing that I, that he probably gets criticized a lot for is, you know, the way he treated his teammates. But I see the way he, he treated his teammates as what a leader should probably do anyway. Now, you don't get things done unless you're willing to crack a few eggs, right? And he used pressure to bring out the best in his teammates. Now, he understood that a lot of them didn't have the skill that he has, but all he was asking for was effort and that you were willing to buy into what the, he was trying to do, and that was win. And finally, he had a tremendous weight of pressure on him. More so than any other player that I know today. Now, LeBron is up there in a sense, but Jordan, given there was no social media back then, things of that nature, all this, the contract disputes and the, the different characters and players on the team, his general manager, the owner, all the things that he had to deal with, he still found a way to go to six NBA finals and not lose any one of them. So... That's a lot of pressure, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure. But he he did it tremendously. He did it with grace. He did it with style and he did it with vigor, which a lot of players today, you can't even say that they can even handle some of the pressure that MJ had to endure during his NBA career. Not even to mention his father passing away, the whole gambling allegations that could have potentially led to his father being ki killed, things of that nature. And he still had to go out there and play. And not only did he play, he played his butt off. So not a lot of guys today, I can see them handling that type of pressure and going out there and playing an NBA game, yet alone trying to win championships. Because I feel like today the NBA player is a little bit more, more sensitive than guys playing back in the 80s and 90s, which you know I'll kind of dive into that here shortly. But before I do that, I'm going to take a quick break, step aside for a second, and uh, we'll get back to you guys here in just a moment. This is Clutch Sports Talk with Ryan Flowers. Let's go. Welcome back, everybody. This is Ryan Flowers from Clutch Sports Talk. Today I'm talking about the last dance. And before I took a break here, I was just getting ready to get into about the NBA today and how it compares to the teams back in the last dance era. Um, today, I feel like players are a little bit 
a little softer and more self-absorbent. Now, obviously, they have more power than they did back in the 80s and 90s. So they can kind of control and control the narrative in terms of what teams they play for, et cetera, et cetera. And they're more concerned with what's happening on social media, especially players like Kevin, Kevin Durant, who has like burner accounts so he can respond to fans that are saying negative, negative things about him, things of that nature. Um, so obviously the NBA back then uh, compared to now is totally different. Uh, the players back then didn't have power. They didn't have control. They couldn't just say, you know what, I'm going to sit out and uh, you're going to trade me or whatnot. That doesn't, that didn't happen. You saw what happened to Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, you know, two of the best players, you know, in the league at the time, respectively, they were heavily underpaid compared to players nowadays. You got guys that are like sixth or seventh best on the team. They're making millions and millions of dollars. You know, the running joke is, you know, in the NBA, it's like a lot of guys, they're getting paid millions and millions of dollars and they're not even that good. So you, especially when you look at the free agency signings and you're like, what? This guy is, he's getting paid. What? How much? Or JJ Reddick making how much? 80 million? Really? What? Otto Porter making over a hundred million? Whereas Scottie Pippen never made that as a player. Michael Jordan never made that as a player. So it's interesting to see that now players have more leverage than they ever did now because the market's different because why the nba is a brand it's a bigger brand now it's a bigger business games are not being recorded and then later on being televised you can you can catch an nba game live however you want it when you want it so obviously when money talks things change and the nba has changed in, in that regard as players have more controlling say they dictate their terms now how many situations are we getting now where Players are holding out from Kawhi Leonard. You know, that horrible deal with him and the Spurs before him eventually being traded to Toronto. Uh, and then the, the mass hysteria with him signing with the Clippers in this past offseason. Uh, the attention that they get now is crazy. You know, AD holding out essentially because he didn't want to be in New Orleans anymore. He wanted to go to the Lakers because he's friends with, with, with LeBron James and LeBron's James friend, Rich Paul, represents him. So there was some type of collusion there. Obviously, they can't prove that, but we all we're, we have common sense. We know how that deal transpired. But and honestly, I think the the mentality of players back then, and when I say back then, I'm referring more to like the 80s and 90s. Um, back then, players were a little different. They were built differently. They weren't self-absorbent. They didn't have a brand to necessarily worry about. Guys weren't worried about endorsements and advertisement deals where I feel like today players are more concerned with um, their deals and their their brand overall and what social topic they need to speak on, et cetera, et cetera. And while I'm on that subject, as far as social activism, MJ you know, got a lot of flack especially from the African-American community by not representing that, that North Carolina politician. Let me say this. Just because you're black or African-American, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever, it doesn't mean you have to necessarily support that person. And in Jordan's case, he didn't even know the guy. He really didn't know his politics. He did eventually did send him money. But 
Jordan's like, why am I going to stake claim to some guy that I don't even know about when he could be honestly totally against everything that I'm for? But I feel like today, NBA players and other other athletes overall, they stick their noses in a lot of social issues that they know nothing about. How can, you know, and I'm not going to digress, but I'll just say this. How can someone who's making millions and millions of dollars tell me that they're oppressed? How? I don't understand that, but I know that can be a very volatile topic, so I'll stay away from that. But just think about that. You're oppressed, but you're being paid millions and millions of dollars to play essentially a game where teachers and other, you know, essential types of jobs are, are severely underpaid. So I will defend Michael in that aspect because, you know what, at the end of the day, he's like, I, ha- I do have a brand, but I don't even know this guy. His politics may, may may not necessarily be what I'm into, so therefore I can't support you front and center like that. But I'll definitely donate some money to you in that aspect in regard. So, you know, kudos for Michael. Um, not every athlete has to be a social activist. Just play the game that you play. That's all we're asking you to do at the end of the day. So I'll just leave that where it's at. The good thing about the NBA, because not all of it's bad. I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and bash the NBA because there's a lot good happening in the NBA. The good thing is that players do have a voice. They're not essentially like indentured servants, which they never really were because they're being paid pretty good money. Maybe not the money that they're getting paid now, but they still were being paid to play a sport in a sense. Now, people can look at it two ways. People feel like maybe LeBron actually ruined it by, you know, essentially picking what teams he wanted to play with. Now all these other guys are doing the same thing, et cetera, et cetera. But in a sense, it's kind of good because now, you know, players can not just be treated like meat or some type of luggage. They can actually control their careers in a sense, which which is good. It's good to have free market because if you think about your current role or employer employment, you want freedom. You want mobility. You don't want to be somewhere and be like, Nah, I really want to be here and your work tells you, no, you can't go there. Why? Why can't I? I'm free to go where I want to go. And essentially, that's what kind of like the NBA is all about now. So it's a catch 22 in that regard. But I can see the the positive in that. Uh, the NBA gets a lot of good coverage. The draft is, is widely popular and especially free agency. You know, we track free agency quite a bit, which is great. Um, transcendent players like Steph Curry have emerged in this new NBA. The three-point line is more important than than it's ever been since its uh, its uh, inception. So I th- I think that the NBA has a lot of positives even to this day. You know, there there are some tough players left. You know, Russell Westbrook, he may not be that championship caliber player, but he's still a guy that's that's very competitive and he doesn't care who he plays with. He just wants to play and he wants to prove to you that he is the man. So I respect that. You know, the, the days of the Kevin Garnett's, the Kobe's, those guys are gone. Today, the modern NBA player, they all want to play with each other, which, you know, it could be a bad thing, could be a good thing, depends on when you were brought up, what era you were raised in. Now, the older guarders will say, no, you got to do it the hard way. Now, the millennial, they're like, no, let's just all do it together so we can make it easier for ourselves to accomplish one goal. So that's, that's, that's a personal view on however you want to look at it. But overall, the last dance did kind of, it did prove that players were tougher back then. 
the league was about teams, not necessarily players individually, where I feel like the NBA now is more about the individual player. Now all you need is like one or two, possibly a third good player, and you're good to go. Not I mean, I'm not saying that you didn't need that back in the day, but teams I felt like were a little bit more deep than they are today. That's what I'm saying. You can agree or not. That's fine. I get it. But that's what the show, this is what my show is all about. So I will say this. I do miss players like Michael Jordan and Kobe because they brought another edge. They brought edge to the game where I feel like there is no edge today. I feel like guys are too chummy chummy and they're busy trying to take trips to Puerto Rico and train with each other. And I feel like the NBA misses out on some of that actual healthy disdain for another player. Back then, those guys, they wanted to destroy you. They wanted to beat you down and, you know, in public, just, just take your heart and eat it in front of you. Today, guys are more concerned about, you know, oh, that's my friend. I might want to play with him later on. Or, you know, we all share that we all, our families all go out somewhere. It's like, like, I'm not saying you can't be friends, but I feel like if you're on the court, you're, you you got to give it your all. You got to go after that guy like he's your worst enemy. And I feel like today it's not the same. I miss the old rivalries of the NBA. They talk about, oh, Lakers and Boston. I said, it's not a rivalry anymore, man. Hasn't been like that probably since the late, the early 80s, early 90s. Those Bulls and Knicks playoff series, no, those were rivalries. We don't have those anymore. Now, in regards to the legacy and who's the best between Kobe and LeBron, I feel like LeBron would probably need to win one or two more championships in L.A. to kind of be put up there to try to maybe sway those old Jordan fans like, hey, maybe he is deserving to be in that conversation. But as of right now, I think MJ has got the title. Now, documentaries will be made about LeBron. We'll probably portray him in the same light The Last Dance did, Michael, but We'll have to see. That's years from now. And another thing, too. Well, why isn't Kobe in a lot of this conversation as the greatest of all time? I'm just saying. If anybody resembles Jordan the most, it's Kobe Bryant. But every time this topic comes up, you never really hear about Kobe. It's always LeBron and MJ, LeBron and MJ. But just food for thought. Kobe was the ultimate competitor. Didn't mind pissing off a an opponent or a teammate, he was willing to go after you every second of that game. But overall, I think The Last Dance was, was a great documentary, like I stated before. And obviously, there, there are going to be more documentaries coming about, especially with Kobe and LeBron, like I mentioned before. Jordan is the greatest, in my opinion. And I go back and forth, but after watching this documentary, I feel like the overall, the totality of everything... MJ's the GOAT right now. And that can change. Like I said, LeBron wins a few more titles. Who knows? To win a title with three different teams. Now, LeBron is great in his own right. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying LeBron's a scrub. He's not. He's legit. And he's right there on the cusp. But I think he has to do a little bit more to sway a little bit more people's opinions. But we'll just have to wait and see. Well, hey, that's my time. Before I get out of here, I want to thank everybody for listening. Please continue to listen to all of my episodes on the Anchor Podcast app, Spotify, tuned in. And I've just been recently added to Podbean Podcasts. So that's all because of you guys. I appreciate your love and support. Until next time, everybody, never settle until the work is done. 
This is Clutch Sports Talk with Ryan Flowers. Let's go.